The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com, the world's leading carbon register and validation ecosystem. Pastor Mai, good afternoon. Just after midday on Friday the 13th of January, this is Manx Radio's Man in Line. A chance for you to get anything off your chest or react to the news that you've been hearing. It's Beth looking after things for Andy over the next couple of weeks. Some things to consider maybe. Those behind the leaflets regarding assisted dying. We'll hear more about that in a moment. The Education Minister gives her thoughts on the cancellation of strike action yesterday. And what do you make of the Pay It Forward initiative? Always great to speak to you live on air. 66 13 68 is the number to call. Chris Quirk, ready and waiting. You can also text 166-177 or email studio at manxradio.com. So let's talk about those leaflets then, first of all. Uh, You might have received one over the past couple of weeks. Most households across the island have received the leaflets tackling what is a really controversial and sensitive topic, assisted dying. The group behind these leaflets are arguing against potential legislation which is currently being spearheaded by the Ramsey MHK Dr Alex Allenson. There is a consultation now open to the Manx public until the end of this month. So let's hear both sides of the argument. In a moment, at the view of former Russian MHK Quintin Gill, who unsuccessfully sought to introduce similar legislation when he was in Timwald a few years ago, and first, two people behind that leaflet that you might have received. I'm Dr Ben Harris. I'm a palliative care specialist. We're a group of healthcare workers on the Isle of Man who are worried what would happen to our society if assisted dying is legalised here. We're particularly worried about developments in Canada and we wanted to share the real facts and evidence about assisted dying because no one else seems to be doing that so far. I think assisted dying is a a superficially attractive proposition, but it's fraught with ethical, moral and particularly practical issues. My name is Neil Umapathy, ENT consultant at Nobles. When people talk about autonomy, freedom, my life, my death, it's superficially attractive, but when you put in a real-life situation where there is a terminal illness diagnosed. It's not easy. Everybody is vulnerable. It is not about choice. It is not about your right. What is important is, is it good, is it safe to be a law? So that is what you're talking about. It's not about personal choice. It is if this becomes a law, will this be safe for not only the person who is competent, who is terminally ill, who wants to end his life or her life, but also people who are vulnerable, would they be putting in a, dis, in a difficult situation by family, friends or themselves, you know, subconsciously, subtly, without any obvious visible pressure. So they'll be feeling, I have to take this route. But nobody will know how many people will really be uh, dead in two months' time if they didn't take that choice. You know, we, have, we are hearing so many stories about prognosis being wrong. You know, nobody can predict you will live only six months. Um, even with best care in the world, you can't predict. I don't know the basis of their argument. It doesn't sound rational. It doesn't sound compelling. Um, it, it doesn't convince me. What I believe myself is that actually if we introduce this legislation with safeguards, with 
caveats with checks and balances with opt-in and opt-out conditions for practitioners and of course most importantly for people who are competent to make their own personal decision that actually both sides can have their own way if if i wish to have a timeliest death that i choose in my mental capacity and at the time and the place of my choosing that's a matter for me my my life my body belongs to me and not to the state not to a church not to anybody else i don't have a, a greater responsibility than to myself that is the former Russian MHK, Quinton Gill. Um, a lot to unpack there, isn't there? Let's just uh, go through some of it. Now, Dr. Ben Harris mentioned concerns about similar legislation in Canada. What I can tell you about that is that Canada's government has said it wants to delay expanding medically assisted dying for people with mental illness. Access to euthanasia was actually set to broaden in March to people whose sole conditions were mental disorders. The expansion came under fire from some experts who worry it offers death as an option to people who might have suicidal thoughts. Supporters of the measure, though, say excluding people with mental illness is discriminatory. Lots of comments from you on this. As ever, you can always use our out-of-hours number to leave a message, and here is one that was left about this subject. Hi, Andy. I'm just ringing up with in agreement with Tony and Julian regarding assisted dying. Once you let assisted dying in, you open the floodgates for euthanasia, and everyone needs to be aware. OK, bye. Okay, what do you think of that? Does it open the floodgates, in your opinion? Here's one on a similar vein now, and this is about organ donation. Hello, this is a question. Could you ask Julian if this is right, please, regarding people carrying donor cards, i.e. for transplants, heart, kidney, whatever. Uh, In England, Britain, they have uh, abolished the card you carry to opt in and it's been replaced by you have to carry a card to opt out of the donor system uh could you uh, so that uh, if you don't carry a card basically the state can harvest your body after death could you just ask him is this true uh, and has it been adopted by the isle of man thank you bye Well, let me see if I can answer that for you. In England, the law around organ donation has changed. All adults there are now considered to have agreed to be an organ donor when they die unless they have recorded a decision not to donate or are in some of the excluded groups. Now, this is commonly referred to as the opt-out system. You might also hear it referred to there as Max and Kira's law. In the Isle of Man, let me read you part of a media release that was issued in January last year, so January 2022, It says, from Tuesday the 1st of February, the option for Isle of Man residents to record their organ donation decision via the driving licence application process will be removed. Instead, applicants will be prompted to register their decision directly on the NHS organ donor register, either by going to the website or calling a number. Users of the NHS app will also be able to use that service to register, check or update their decision. This move was taken following a review of island organ donation records carried out by the Isle of Man government and the NHS blood and transplant. As part of this work, the government and the NHS blood and transplant were now undertaking a joint project to reconcile up to 66,000 driving licence records. 
known as Daniel's Law, the Human Tissue and Organ Donation Bill, was introduced in memory of Daniel Boyd, a 15-year-old boy whose organs were donated after he died in a car accident on the island. Its purpose was to modernise the law relating to consent for the use of organs and other human tissues for transplant activities. The opt-out consent system will mean it will be considered individuals agree to become a donor when they die if they're over 18 years of age, have not opted out and are not in an excluded group. So let's have some of your thoughts then on the assisted dying. Uh, Text ending 901 says anyone who has watched a loved one have no dignity, suffer every minute of their lives, would agree we do need an assisted dying bill passed. Nobody wants to suffer. We don't let animals suffer. So why humans? My dad was an adult baby for five years and he would never have wanted that. It was awful for him every day. It should be a personal uh, personal choice. Uh, Juin has been in touch to say if the group behind the leaflet against assisted dying spent 90 minutes watching a film called Me Before You, they may be very enlightened. It was a very touching movie. P says, I'm speaking for myself here, not the Flat Earth Truthers Society. I think assisted dying is fine, provided there's supervision from experts. Let's go to the lines then. And on line one, we have Howard. Uh, Howard, are you there? Oh, hang on a minute. Oh, here we go. Technical issues. I think we're there now, Howard. How are you there? How are you doing? Yes. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so you, you've got some thoughts on organ donation. Yeah, well, many, well, quite a number of years ago, uh, when I got my license renewal, I did opt in on the organ donation side of it. And um, I found out afterwards, even though you did opt in on your driving license, it was strongly recommended that you uh, cover this with a, um, a registration with the National Organ Donation. I did come on um, with other, well, I don't know, um, Andy, uh, a, a long while ago, and the license registration on the Isle of Man did not automatically put you in with the national. So um, it was strongly recommended that you did join the national organ donation. And I don't know whether that still stands or they changed the situation now with the opt-out. I think... Uh, but the uh, registration on the form on the Manx driving licence did not automatically put you in the national one. So, yeah, I think there were moves, Howard, to sort of simplify that process. And also yep. um, a part of the consideration is to make things easier for families should they ever be in a position where they have to make that decision. Yes, yes. This is one of the things I emphasised as well, that although you've opted in on the Manx licence and then, or well, you've gone down your own route of opting in on the national one, you should, in all lessons, discuss it with your family uh, even though it's your decision, uh, they can uh, go against it later on if such times they can object to it. Uh, so you must make it very clear that you have opted in, or in this case opted out when they've changed the situation. Um, it's an excellent system whereby it's a, a lifesaver. Both people uh, have different thoughts on it and they may be well, they may object to it, even though you haven't, you've uh, agreed to it. But um, as I say, when the time comes, you don't have a say in it afterwards. 
the family have more say than what you do. But please, please make sure your family know what your thoughts and your desires are. Great point there, Howard. Thank you so much. Lovely to talk to you as ever. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Howard with his uh, thoughts about organ donation. We can go to line two now and join Mark. Mark, how are you? Yeah, not so bad, thanks, Beth. Hopefully yourself is the same. Yes, not too bad, thank you. Good stuff. Um, Assisted dying. Um, Obviously a very contentious subject, but something that um, a lot of people haven't, or I haven't heard anyone make mention of so far, um, is in relation to somebody who's got a a living will or an instruction to their family, for example. Um, My mum was a nurse for 30-plus years. She always made it clear to us that she wanted a do-not-resuscitate kind of order. Um, Obviously, she's professionally trained. She knew exactly what she was talking about. She had a stroke, was paralysed from the neck down, um, and basically, after two, three weeks in hospital, they put her into a nursing home because there was no hope of her recovering. While she was in the nursing home, she had to be kept in a basically an induced state of extreme medication because she was screaming for people to help her put an end to her life because she was basically incapable of doing anything. But because she didn't have any breathing apparatus or anything connected to her, we couldn't carry out her wishes of a do not resuscitate. You know, if she's on a machine, you you know, who couldn't feed herself and all that kind of stuff, you would essentially say, okay, um, there's no hope of her recovering. We need to decide what we're going to do. She was in that state for seven years. She had three further strokes and two heart attacks while she was paralyzed from the neck down. As I say, she was kept in a continual state of, a continual medicated state. She couldn't do anything for herself. Um, And effectively, she just, she went from about nine stone down to four stone because she couldn't move, she couldn't exercise, she couldn't do anything for herself. Uh, So I'm not saying, you know, if your pet was in that condition, it would have been inhumane to keep your pet alive. For some reason, um, we think that somebody who is medically trained and has expressed an instruction to say, if I'm ever on a machine, do not resuscitate. Yes, she was extremely vulnerable in the position she was in. She was paralyzed. But before that happened, many, many years before, she said, if ever I'm that, you know, if ever a machine's keeping me alive, you know, do DNR, they call it. Um, so please don't think just because somebody is, um, something bad's happened to them. Yes, they are vulnerable, but please don't think they're not in a condition where they can make a rational judgment for themselves. Uh, my mum already did so, but we couldn't carry out her wishes because she wasn't on the machine. So instead, she deteriorated for seven years. Um, she kept getting her medical boosters, her flu jabs, all this that and the other but there was you know the doctors who kept looking at her said there's no hope of her improving um and it sounds very cold and callous for me to say that but when you see a parent a child a loved one in that condition slowly slowly slipping away the body just eating itself effectively deteriorating it's heartbreaking um we certainly didn't come to any you know this wasn't something 
a mental state we created to say we wish she wasn't in that condition because we wanted her money or she was a burden on us or anything. No, she absolutely wasn't. But she was, you know, in a condition of when she wasn't medicated of extreme distress all the time and was causing distress to the other residents. So they kept her medicated. Mark, that just so sounds... that's all I wanted to say. It just sounds truly awful what, what your mum and, and you and your family have had to go through with that. What difference do you think it would have made to you and your family if these sort of laws maybe had been in place? We wouldn't have had to see... Our, our last memory of our mum wouldn't have been... And I hate to, I hate to come across as brutal, but um, essentially... Yeah somebody who had wasted away you know it was if you think you can't move for seven years you can't eat you can't swallow you're just on effectively on a drip and occasionally you're given soup or something for seven years you can imagine the, the deterioration in the body um yes you can the the people at the nursing home they did their best they would make sure they moved her around to make sure she didn't get bed sores etc but you know um you can imagine uh, how the impact it would have. Um, our, our remaining memories weren't of a happy, joyous, healthy person. They were somebody who had um, effectively wasted away. Uh, and it sounds, it, I mean, it's been years since, it's been five, six years now since she passed. Um, but I know myself and my sisters, we were extremely, extremely angry at the whole situation. And we did say, you know, if anything happens, she does have this DNR wish. Um, she has expressed to us. Um, when she had heart attacks and strokes at the nursing home, they had to do what they could to stabilise her. But because there was no, um, you know, the nursing home people, because she wasn't in a hospital, they had to call, uh, you know, an ambulance for people to come and attend to her. But because there was no machinery helping her to breathe, she, um, you know, she was given. She, everything was done to try and save her life, which everybody wants their loved ones to be kept alive. But after wasting away and deteriorating for years, not just a couple of weeks, not just a couple of months, but for seven years, it it was heartbreaking. Um, the people, the medical people attended to her. They said it's a heartbreaking situation. But, you know, as everyone knows about the doctor's Hippocratic Oath, etc. Um, if if she couldn't feed herself, so if they stopped, you know, if, if they stopped feeding her, yes, she would have gone. She would have slipped away. But, if, you know, feeding someone isn't a, a do not resuscitate instruction. It's, you know, um, it's them doing what they needed to do. So I'm not saying, you know, um, everyone should be given the option um, necessarily. But what I'm saying is if somebody has got that, you know, a clear instruction to their family that they don't want to be kept, for example, I think they call it persistent vegetative state. If somebody doesn't want to be kept in that position, allow them to have, you know, respect their decision that they made at a time in their life when they were obviously considered sane enough to, for example, create a will you are in a position of medical aware or, or you know mental awareness that you can create a will and you know that's a legally binding document um yes people can contend it or what have you but if somebody has that instruction in there that you know they want to be in a position where 
they can choose um, when they want to go. Please, you know, respect that decision. Um, I, I, and I understand people. It's a contentious issue. People have strong feelings one way or the other. But you can't necessarily discriminate one person's decision and choice about their own selves against somebody else's. Mark, thank you so, so much for taking the time to join us this lunchtime. An incredibly difficult thing for you to talk about, I'm sure, but really appreciate it. Thank you. No problem. Okay, cheers. Now, naturally, it is an incredibly difficult issue, as Mark was saying there. So if you do feel affected by any of the issues we're talking about this lunchtime or the contents of the assisted dying consultation and you need to discuss your feelings or you'd like to discuss your feelings further, Cruise Bereavement Care can give confidential advice and bereavement support. Just give you their number now, 668191. That's 668191. We'll go back to the lines now and we can join Julian. Good afternoon, Julian. Hi, Beth. Uh, yeah, listening to, um, it's very good that we're having this debate, actually. If nothing else, it's good that, you know, it's sort of coming out the, the, the opposing views, you might say, and try and find a, a way through. Um, but it does occur to me that the NHS Act of 1946 that brought this all in, you had 10 to 1 doctors that voted against it because they didn't want to be dictated to as to what treatments they were giving their patients. So they were basically having to go through a prescribed book, you might say, and anything they wanted to try outside of that um, was basically you could get struck off if you didn't do it. So there was a big change in 1946, and I think everyone agrees. A lot of people are complaining about the service at the NHS or the what we have the version of it on the island. You know, people not getting appointments, um, waiting queues, all the rest of it. So the people that are suffering inordinately in this is part of the blame to be done with the fact that they haven't been able to have treatments that might actually have stopped them from getting to this stage in the first place. So that's leading to what conclusion from your point of view then, Julian? There are lots of treatments out there that will not be done because they are not prescribed in the book that the 1946 NHS Act basically enacted. So, you know, you might say, for example, now that interest has been taken in ivermectin, they found that 20 plus cancers are attenuated or actually reversed. But nobody's talking about that. Um, And also with this assisted dying, um, I wonder, the people that are calling, do they have a child or a grandchild? I mean, in the future, if this went through, perhaps there'll be a grandchild of theirs that breaks up with a partner and they go through a brief period of depression and they might not want anything other than assisted dying. I mean, do they want that for their grandchildren? Because it's not just about who we are right now with what we're talking about. We're talking about how this will have a knock-on effect in the future with relatives that we cherish right now. But rather than getting help, you know, like I said yesterday, palliative care funding is diminished massively in all the jurisdictions like Oregon and Canada and the Netherlands because people are going more along the line of it's fiscally cheaper to just you know, do this. And then you have constant bombardment of things like climate crisis. You've got the people that are listening to Greta Thunberg, young people that are getting very depressed about all this climate thing. I mean, I was listening to Paul Crane this morning talking about, you know, unusually high rainfall. Interesting that it's since the 50s because they don't want to talk about the massive hurricanes and rainfall that we had in the 20s and 30s around the world or going back even further before the 1800s. 
you you look at the rising sea levels, but you look at the um, Admiralty chart uh, data from Liverpool, doesn't show anything like that. So it's all very kind of, you've got a lot of bombardment of negative news all the time. And if you're going to start talking about assisted dying, especially with Canada now mulling it over all of a sudden because the alarm is being raised in Canada because they can see that this the, the cork's out of the bottle, so to speak. And once you've got past this debate and you crack that door open, you don't need consultations anymore because you can just legislate it. So now they're worried that this is just going to continue. But if, if you're constantly telling young people we're all going to die in 10 years from the weather, even though empirically there doesn't seem to be, you know, you can still walk out to the Tower of Refuge. Harlick Castle is still one mile away from the sea, despite the fact it's got a, a, a moat for um, boats to come in on, which was, you know, the sea was up there one mile nearer 800 years ago. So, you know, this argument about the sea level rise is ridiculous. Well, so, Julian, I would probably argue that there is some science behind some of the things that we're talking about. But as ever, appreciate your comments. I'm going to have to move on because we have got uh, other people on the lines. But thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Dave has messaged to say, do we have to have an hour long programme talking about death? We've all lost loved ones and know what everyone goes through. These people who ring in need to get in touch with MHKs who will make the decision. Man in line will not have any influence. Well, Dave, feel free to get in touch and talk about another subject. But as we say, this is an open line today for you to talk about what you want to talk about. Uh, we'll go back to the lines now and Nick is on line too. How are you doing, Nick? I'm all right, thank you. Very, uh, good afternoon to you and everybody else, Beth. Um, I have a comment about the assisted dying bill. Uh, oh, Nick, I might just have to forward. ask, sorry, Nick, could you turn your radio down if you've got it up, please? Absolutely, sorry. Uh, That's all right. Off. Yeah, okay, can you Perfect. hear me now? I can. Off you go. Okay, now about the assisted uh, dying or I can't forget. I can't remember the other term for it. Uh, I'm all for that. And uh, as Mark said, um, well, it's tr- absolutely tragic. Absolutely tragic that he had to, his his mum had to deal with. I've had to stay alive for seven years, and I think it's crazy that we would not. We we don't do, we don't consider doing that for pets or anything like that. We think it's inhumane and cruel. So why don't we think the same thing for our, our loved ones? But my 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 worry is that. I spend 40, 50 years of my life working hard to get a life savings or put something away. If I have a stroke and then I'm incapable of um, taking myself to the toilet or feeding myself or bathing, I don't want to pay someone else to do that for me when I'm not even enjoying the, the, the life that I'm living. I would, and I don't want to pay what I've heard is like a thousand pounds a week or something to a nursing home. It's absolutely crazy. I, I don't pay that in my rent. I don't pay that for my, my, uh, my mortgage. Um, and I would much, much rather have that go to my children or any surviving member of my family. I mean, the, it's not the government's money to, to choose where it goes and it's not the nursing homes, you know, you have to think about that. Okay, Nick. It's not, it is, it is a financial thing as well. And, uh, but, before I go, there was a lady about a couple of months ago who, who mentioned that her father was in uh, a nursing home and, it, and it, it ate away all his life savings. You know, and people are saying they have to sell their home if they can't afford the, the you know, the care. That's another thing. I mean, that's an asset. If, if I'm going to be wasting away, I, would, I couldn't bear to have that happen. I just think, you know, I, honestly, I'd rather... If I had the capability, I would, you know, walk into the sea with a backpack full of bricks. I just don't want to 
ever have that my family go through it, and I don't want the burden of the financial burden upon them. Okay, Nick, thank you so much. Thank you very much indeed for joining us uh, this afternoon. I just want to remind you that if you are listening to this and in any way upset by anything that you're hearing, you can get in touch with Cruise Bereavement Care. They can give confidential advice and bereavement support. 668191. We're going to take a very quick break and then join Bonzo. The Man in Line, brought to you by NetZeroMatrix.com, your one-stop shop for advice on renewable energy solutions and other green initiatives. It is 12.38 exactly. It's The Man in Line on Manx Radio. It's Beth looking after things for the next couple of the weeks uh, while Andy is on holiday. And we can go straight back to the lines now and join Bonzo. Thanks for waiting, Bonzo. How are you doing? Oh, I'm fine, thanks. Yes. Um, oh, listening to Mark's story... Uh, in in particular, I, um, no, I'm sure that that anyone listening to that could, couldn't help but be um, so distressed at, at the situation that his uh, that his mother was put through. Um, I do hope that that um, that audio and um, Mark himself or any other submissions that he wants to. To, uh, to place will be uh, put to the consultation because I could uh, you know people uh, in government need to hear that kind of story I guess one uh, so that's that's it, why we've got the the consultation it's opened until the 26th of January and given the the breadth of opinions that we, we're just hearing a very small snapshot aren't we this lunchtime but um, I think everybody would be encouraged if they have an opinion on it to to put that forward not quite but just um, sort of ensuring that that mark uh, not only submits this audio uh, that's been on this program but uh, also any other information he has because I think that's the, the, I think it's very very important that that kind of testimony is listened to and uh, understood. Um, As goes Julian's point, uh, where he starts to conflate things um, about assisted dying with somehow assisted suicide for all the people who've been traumatised somehow by the the climate crisis conspiracy, as he would view it. Um, Yes, well, I think we can move that to one side. And also the idea that somehow the dreadful uh, fascist state stops doctors from prescribing things like uh, quack treatments like ivermectin and all this other uh, nonsense. Um, yes, again, that's all part of the sort of truth, social, flat earth of society nonsense that uh, well, we, we hear from Julian and, uh, and Julian <laughs> I would, I would just say, um, Bonzo, that all opinions, all opinions are welcome on this program. Um, they will be challenged occasionally, but we do welcome all opinions. Well, so, well, some opinions are more valid than others because some are facts. You In know, your opinion? No, <laughs> no, I hear what you're saying. Things. I hear what you're no, saying. No, no, but, no, because they are facts. You know, Elvis is not dead. The moon is made, not made of green cheese. You know, um, but coming to the uh, the core of the subject, and this is possibly the most complicated political, uh, social and moral subject that any um, politician would face 
and the, uh, yes, <laughs> my my sympathy goes out to. Uh, <laughs> they don't normally get that much sympathy, but my sympathy certainly goes out to to Tinwald in having to consider this. But that's what politicians are there for. Um, but if we come to the point of actually deciding that assisted dying is something that, with variety safeguards, etc., etc., that we can permit, and that then we can put into law that it's permitted within these various circumstances, I don't think that bill would receive royal assent, because the UK government right, would be very, very concerned, I would, I, I would imagine, about the Isle of Man becoming a centre for, for what has been termed death tourism, in the same way as the Swiss have been accused of death tourism with, uh, with Dignitas. So I think even if we, we get to, to making those decisions, I, I, I don't think those decisions will be implemented. Okay, Bonzo. Well, as ever, thank you so, so much for joining us this lunchtime. Any other thoughts? You've still got time to take your call on air, 66 13 68. This is an incredibly difficult one, just as Bonzo was saying there. Um, really important, if you have a view on this, to make it known, go to the consultation page. You can find the link actually at manxradio.com on this story and put your views forward. You've got until the 26th of January. Let's go to some of the text messages now. Um, Assisted dying. There is a clear call for change with places such as Jersey adapting their laws to suit the needs of the elderly and the poorly. We need assisted death. These clinics are easy to set up and would provide work and trade. This idea would attract trade from the end-of-life care patients around the UK and make us a hub for well-trained palliative care doctors from around the world. No one wants to linger in pain and be a financial drain. We could save millions for more worthy causes and the NHS. People want this choice and it's cruel not to consider their feelings. That's from TG. Ed says doctors can't know how a person in terrible pain feels unless they have experienced it themselves. Uh, Des says scientific research always agrees with the people who fund them. That's in relation, I think, to Julian's comments earlier. Jeff says, I'd like to raise two points relating to assisted dying. Is this not a form of suicide and would that not affect their life policies? And if we can't carry out the death penalty for convicted murders, do we have the right to carry out assisted dying without the outside authorities intervening? Just a thought there from Jeff. Thank you very much indeed. I have very strong feelings, says this texter, on this as I've recently been diagnosed with MS. It is a degenerative condition and I don't want my children to have to watch me unable to feed myself or have any cognitive function. It's the most hideous thing to watch a loved one struggle like this and I will be going to Switzerland before I get to that state unless we get some kind of change to the current law. Let's go back to the lines now and join Mike. Mike, good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, carrying on about the assisted dying, a couple of points. Uh, I mean, the last gentleman was on about becoming like uh, Switzerland, but we can have, you have to have monks, you know, you have to be a resident of the Isle of Man to, uh, to partake in this, so I don't think we can, we can overcome, you know, it's not going to be a tourist, you know, thing for people, you know, and uh, the other thing, I think it's so important, why don't we have a referendum on this? Because it is a very difficult choice for politicians to make. And a referendum on this and, you know, let the people say what they think. What would your thoughts be then, Mike? 
Oh, I'm 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 all for it. I mean, I don't I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be wearing nappies and being fed, and uh, and when I've had enough of, uh, and I, I, I'm a rational human being, I think, and when I've had enough, I've had enough. I haven't. I don't fear death. It doesn't fear you. Just go to sleep, and that you've gone. You know, and I want you know I want everything. I would I would love to have actually a digitus type thing at hospice. You go, you you. Uh, you have a special, you know, you say goodbye to everybody. Everything's arranged. You pass away and your funeral rites are taken the next couple of days. Get it all over with. And, uh, yeah, I I feel really, people need to really get, on, you know, the online uh, thing about assisted dying. Uh, people really, because this pamphlet thing here, they're fairly well organized. So they're not, you know, they're not, uh, and people are speaking as individuals, really. There's nobody. I I don't know of any pro uh, leaflets going around, you know. So, but they can do it online. So people really need to get in and do the online. Otherwise, these people, this Manx duty of care, which is very, it's quite divisive. This leaflet when you read it, because it says, "Make your voice heard." Fill the consultation. Yeah, it looks, it, it does almost look semi official. I got afford to thinking it was. But uh, anyway, that's my thoughts. Wonderful. What do you think? Thank you so much indeed for sharing them with us, Mike. And as Mike said there, he thinks there should be a referendum on this subject. What do you make of that? 166-177, studio at manxradio.com. Better still, 66-1368 if you'd like to be on air before one o'clock this afternoon. Let's go back to the text messages and emails. Graham has messaged about the TT. He says, is there something that Connor Cummings and the TT shop know that we don't? Both closing down, no new scoreboard going up. Is the TT finished? The government is going round with blinkers on. It's time they woke up. We will have more on the motorsport merchandise story shortly. We've been in touch uh, with the department and we are expecting a media release once that tender process for whoever's going to be responsible for the merchandise is finished. T's been in touch to say, I've just watched Dr. Allenson on Isle of Man TV on YouTube giving his private member's bill to Timwald regarding assisted suicide and euthanasia. Very well put and thought-provoking. Dr. Allenson has been a strong proponent and advocate for both liberal abortions and assisted dying, two topics that involve death, but whatever happened to his Hippocratic oath of preserving life and doing no harm? Sue says, good on those doctors in the news for calling out this assisted dying agenda. They introduced it in Canada for strictly end-of-life care patients. Now they provide the service for all sorts of people, young, old, people with depression, physical disabilities and long COVID and age concerns. Where does their line lie? What about a doctor's Hippocratic Oath? Do no harm. We introduce assisted suicide at our peril, says Sue. They'll open it wide and make the poor feel obligated into dying. It is no good. Another Sue says people don't seem to realise that accessing assisted dying won't be easy or compulsory. It's possible that counselling aspect of AD may catch people who are suicidal but who can be helped. The counsellors could refer these people to the mental health services to get the help they need. Now I think we're going back to the lines but a slightly different subject I think and join uh, another Mike. How are you doing? Hi Beth. Hi, how are you? I'm fine thank you. Um... We've got a shortage of nurses, as has the UK. Um, the UK, I think it's about 40,000 they're short. 
Mike, I'm just going to have to ask you, sorry, could you turn your radio down, please? I'm just getting a little bit of feedback on that. Sorry about that. It might have been I had you on speakerphone, but I turned the radio off anyway. All righty. So, yes, nurse shortages. Yeah. Um, Basically, nurses nowadays are students. It's a university degree because everybody's encouraged to go to university by um, the teachers nowadays. And they're not paid and they're not included in the numbers. Several people around the world have done this, different countries. Australia have now, they still give them a degree, but they pay them a wage so they don't have to have a grant and be in debt for God knows how long. So would it not pay for us, forget what the UK do, I don't trust my countrymen at all. If our nurses trained here were paid, included in the numbers, maybe the nurses we've got wouldn't be rushing around um, trying to do everything short-staffed. It happened during COVID. The students were included in the numbers because they were needed. They were paid, I believe. I mean, my wife's a nurse and she trained 30 years ago at 30 years of age. She had a young child. She couldn't have afforded to have done that as a university degree, but she learned on the job, apprenticeship if you like, and was paid. So I think this needs to be put, I believe you've got um, medical people on on Monday. We do indeed, yes, Teresa Cope and a host of guests on Monday actually. So yeah, let's float the idea. I mean, it's a I think it's a great idea in principle, Mike. I suppose I would just say in the first instance, building up that expertise and that um, that school over here, where does the money come from at, at the current time to do that? And there's other issues with regards to accommodation, which we've been hearing on the news this week as well. We wouldn't have the same problem, I don't think. It's a university degree. They, they train here, but it, I believe it's Chester University runs it. So that could, they could still do that sort of training. It's not They don't go away. They train on island. So they can be living at home, but it might encourage people. They know they're not going to be in debt for years and years if they can go into a career, and it's a very um, rewarding and hard career. And, I mean, I've got... As well as my wife, I know several other nurses and healthcare assistants, and they're on their knees at the moment. They really are. And the same in the UK. We've all seen it on the telly. The NHS needs more staff. It needs nurses, it needs healthcare assistants, it needs physios, it needs doctors. We've got to be able to encourage people to want to do that job. I wouldn't want to do it personally. I hate the sight of blood. (laughs) You wouldn't be very good then, Mike. Thank you so much indeed for joining us. It's a good question. We have got the Manx Care Special on Monday. It's one I will put to Teresa Cope. Let's see what she thinks about that. Just time for the end of the programme, just to go through some more of your texts and emails. Carl's been in touch to say... I do agree to disagree. What worries me, and this is with regard to assisted dying, is I'm a diabetic and cost the government a lot. If I was to fall seriously ill as a money saver, would I be left to die? Texter 068 says, I fully support assisted dying. No one should be forced to exist in pain and misery just because medical science is clever enough to keep you alive. 
Uh, your body is destroyed with disease. Doctors are harming patients by keeping them alive. Fred says, on the subject of organ donation, personally, I am against it. It's my body and I don't want it mutilating by doctors. I'm sorry it sounds selfish of me, but I want to go on my way whole and not with a part missing. And I suppose that's that's the good thing. You do have the choice there. Nobody is being forced. It's just being aware of how you make your decision heard. Uh, just a text saying, well said, Mark. That was uh, to Mark's incredibly emotive contribution a little bit earlier talking about his experience with his mum. Paul says assisted dying will open up a new world of corruption and people forcing relatives to sign up for assisted dying legislation is very important as it's not just about ending people's lives it's about protecting the whole family from corrupt people as well and I think that's what we were hearing about a little bit earlier when Quinton Gill was talking about that he supports the introduction of this legislation but there do need to be those checks and balances Sue also talking about what Mark said earlier. It's not brutal, it's just the harsh truth. I was relieved, Sue says, when my poor mum died and our family mental health was destroyed. Bob says, when I made my will, I gave my daughter, one of my daughters a power of attorney with the wish that if it came to it and I had no hope of recovery and a choice had to be made, my wish was that she would pull the plug um, then we have another message here from John saying, totally agree with Quentin Gill. If you want to end your life, there's nothing stopping you, but do not expect someone else to do it for you. I've got no problem leaving the means for someone to end their life themselves if they wish, or if someone wants DNR, this should be their choice. Pat says the health services are short of cash, but did you know that in the construction industry, very little is paid in NI contributions? I'd say, says Pat, about 80% of those working in the industry are working as self-employed and only pay, pay £5 per week in national insurance. If they were directly employed, approximately 88 per month would be paid, split between employee and employers. If we said that 2,000 were employed as self-employed, that's a loss of £8 million per annum to the DHSSS or even DHSS, uh, that would pay for a lot of services, says Pat. Um, I'm not sure about that one, Pat. I'm going to have to find out more about that before I can come back with any authority. Um, lots more texts actually to go through. Please do be assured we'll read every single one of them. If any questions are ever raised in a, a text that you send to me, I do do my best to try and find out the answer. It might not be immediately, but please don't think that they're ignored because we've got some answers coming about questions that we've received regarding electric vehicles on the steam packet and also mobile phone coverage in certain areas of Douglas. So those questions have been put to the relevant authorities and we will bring you the answers as soon as we possibly can. But that is pretty much it for today's programme and indeed for Man in Line this week. Thank you so, so much for your company and your contributions today. A really difficult subject. Uh, the podcast will be available. I'll put the details of where you can go to for help and support if you've been affected by anything you've been hearing about today. Thank you to the programme's producers, Chris Quirk and also Howard Kane. I'll be back on Monday when, as I say, I will be joined by a number of guests from Manx Care. So we'll be talking about things like how it's been over the past few weeks, what plans there are to ease the burden on our healthcare outlets as we move through the winter, any thoughts on that before Monday's programme, do get in touch. If you've got a question, we can play it out. 682-631. Just leave a message or just get in touch on Monday and speak to our guests live on air. Coming up next, it's Chris Quirk sitting in on 1 to 3. Whatever you're doing over the next couple of days, have a great weekend and I'll talk to you again on Monday. <laughs>